When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones here with the Leaders on Leadership podcast, where we talk with leaders of all ages and stages about what it takes to truly pay the price of leadership. And today I am so excited because my guest is Kim Marie Branch Pettit. And Kim Marie is the driving force behind the world's largest privately owned business networking organization. Many of you have probably heard of it, Latip International Incorporated. Just watch her in action, meeting, greeting, and making connections, and you'll understand the true meaning of an indomitable spirit. That's a fancy word for tremendous folks. Kim Marie is known for her commitment to building relationships and her inspiring collaborative style. Previously, Kim Marie spent 30 years in the banking industry and culminated her career in mergers and acquisitions where she drove the M&A of over 30 banks. Kim Marie, I am honored to have you on the podcast today. Thank you so much, Tracy. I'm excited to be here as well. I love it. Well, I could go on for mergers and acquisition, and we're just starting a women-owned bank. I mean, I could go on and on, but right now we're going to talk about paying the price of leadership. And Kim Marie, my father came out with a speech many decades ago called The Price of Leadership, in which he talked about, hey, if you're going to really be in the seat and not just a leader in name only, there's a price to be paid. And one of the first topics that he talked about was loneliness. And, you know, we all hear that it's lonely at the top. But could you unpack for our listeners, Kim Marie, what the loneliness of leadership has meant to you in your career and maybe share a time or some words in case any of our listeners are in a season of loneliness? Absolutely. First of all, Tracy, I was very blessed in life and I didn't have to work. And suddenly after being married for 30 years and always working, I always had a job as, as you know, in the bank, but I didn't have to be there. I found myself starting a new career in Arizona as an employee for Latip International. I didn't want a divorce and I felt lonely beyond belief. In fact, I sat for six weeks every night in my closet with the door closed so my kids couldn't hear me cry. And then I realized that loneliness was on me. It wasn't on anybody else. So I got up off the floor. I decided to reinvent myself, make this work because I really believed in the concept of this organization. And I went to work and the loneliness changed. It wasn't by myself, but with other people. It energized me. It invigorated me. I put in 50 hours, 60 hours a week and not even realizing it. I was so excited. The loneliness dissipated, but there's a kind of loneliness, as you talked about working at the top, that sometimes you almost need. I need to be alone, to be able to think my thoughts through. It isn't a loneliness that's sad and by yourself. It's a loneliness where you're really contemplating and looking and listening to what could be better. This person said this, this person's told you to do that. What makes the most sense? That type of loneliness is so valuable when you can sit and listen to your own thoughts. I love it. Hey, well, Kim, how did you get connected with Latip? Had you been transitioning out of the banking and looking for something new? How did you hear about it? 
Well, I was a banker and I, they wanted me to be a rot- not to be a Rotarian because we had several in our bank already. So a friend reached out to me who was an attorney and said, you got to come. You're going to love this. It's a okay. free meal. So we I all get invited. In. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I went in and I fell in love with it. The first meeting and joined took them six weeks to get me voted in. So I didn't think they wanted me. But I really fell in love with the concept and realized that I was a natural networker, but now is learning from a structured methodology, so to speak. So it wasn't like I just woke up one morning and said, I'm going to change banking careers. Like I said, I unfortunately went through a divorce and the company had been courting me for about six months to come to work for them, Latip. And I finally said, you know, this makes perfect sense for me. I'm helping people just like I did in the bank but it's my hours. It's how hard I can work or not work. It's really going to be up to me if I can make this. That's a loneliness decision as well, because you're taking a leap of faith, right? Can I do this? And I'm doing it alone. After being married 30 years and suddenly by yourself, that's a huge difference. It is. And I really appreciate your transparency with that. For listeners out there, I also went through a divorce that was not wanted. And so the things that happen in your personal life, it all affects us. We're human beings. And we think, well, I can separate all that nonsense. Oh no, it bleeds over everywhere. So I just thank you for your transparency and sharing that. You got to get to the point where it is. I was nowhere near 30 years, but I tell people I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. You know what I'm saying? It's devastating for you to go ahead and look at that and say, okay, you know, it's hurtful, but I have to go pick up the pieces and I'm going to shake off that loneliness. I adopted a dog and that brought me back to life, (laughs) you know, so whatever it is. And I made a real shift professional wise too. I was like, I have to get back amongst the living. So I'm so glad that you shared that with our leaders, because if for the listeners out there, if you are in a a situational time of loneliness, something like that, the loss of a long time, you assumed would be a lifetime partner or lifetime job or whatever, take some time to realize it. And don't beat yourself up. Oh gosh, yes. We all think it's all my fault. It's a two-way street. I'm sure it was my fault 50-50, but it did happen no matter what. And I don't hold any ill will. We're friends to this day. We have children together. So you have to do what you have to do. But it was such an enlightening time for me. I really realized what a strong person I was and what I could do. So it was a blessing in itself. Well, and for the listeners out there, as she mentioned, coming through the time of loneliness, whether you wanted it or it was inflicted by somebody else, the beauty is you can still come out of that with more of a sense. I think you said, listening to your own thoughts, realizing your own strength. It's a time it's you're in the crisis crucible. And that's when loneliness really in the end, if done right, can turn you into a a more pure, better version of yourself. Absolutely. agree 100%. Oh, thank you so much, Kim Marie. Okay. So that's loneliness. The other thing my dad talked about is if you're really going to be doing leadership right, you're going to have to learn how to battle weariness. Okay. And, you know, talk to a lot of people where they're just burnout, but then there's other people that are like, I can only sleep two hours because I got the passion in my belly, you know, the fire in my belly. So can you talk about people, but we still are mere mortals and operating systems that need to rest. How, Kim Marie, do you stay at the top of your game? You're running a huge organization you have for many decades. How do you stay your best version of yourself and combat weariness? I take care of me first. I truly try to look after my health. And when I feel, and everybody gets weary, it could have just been a bad day with everyone coming in your office with every complaint under the sun. What do you do? You smile, you put a smile on your face and then you say, time out. I'm taking Friday off. I'm taking a short vacation. I'm just going to spend the afternoon with no disturbance sign on my door. There are times when you just have to take care of yourself. The weariness is a good thing. That means that you are not the fight or flight 
per se, but you're aware that there's more going on than what you realized. And it gives you the opportunity to step back if you'll take care of yourself first, whether it's a good night's sleep because I haven't slept for six more than six hours in a while. If it's just a good meal that's wholesome, you feel better, you look better, you look in the mirror and say, I can do this another 10 years, right? The weariness, I think, is just a warning signal in your own body that something is coming, something is changing, could be good, could be bad, you don't know. No, but again, most of us have that fight or flight type of instinct with a weariness. You're already prepared for it because mm. you know how to take care of you first. I love that, you know, cause I'm always like fight or flight or not option. You have to adapt. And that regeneration is tiring. But as you point, I love that you put the spin on it. If you are weary, rejoice, because that means you're still in the game. You're still looking towards something that's going to make a difference. And I love how you put the positive spin on that has to be, right? Weariness can put you immediately into depression. Who has time for that? If you feel depressed, you need to find a reason how to get out of it, a reason why you're there in the first place. And that's the weariness part that I enjoy is knowing that, hey, wait a minute, let's take a deep breath of fresh air. Let's really relax for a moment. Could only be 10 minutes at my desk meditating. Mm -hmm. But when I come out of that, because I've taken care of me and said, you really need to look at what's causing this feeling, it always turns into something much better. Well, and for the listeners, we grew up with that whole Maxwell Mulk's psycho-cybernetics where where your body can catch a disease of the mind. So if you're tired, you actually can, like I ran my adrenal glands to non-functioning status, okay? And so you got to take care of yourself and understand that everything originates with you. And if you're at the top of your form, everybody else can, but it's so, and yet we all think, oh, I'm the only one that can do it. I'm the, and it's like, no, 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 no. We're never meant to be that. Nope. We're supposed to be able to share and train and teach and delegate. I mean, that's what leaders really do if they're good leaders, in my opinion. Well, and one of my favorite quotes is by Lena Horne. And she says, it's not the load that wears you down. It's the way you carry it. So if you're tired as a leader, it might be time to go ahead and just say, okay, I need to, I need to share the load. Cause obviously there's people around you in the organization ready to pick up and help you soldier on. You know, a lot of people will tell me that I have a bitchy resting face because I'm not on at the moment. I'm not thinking about who's across the desk. I'm really in the moment of reading something or writing an article out. And so it's not intentional, but it's something we all have to be aware of because the minute someone comes to my door, I had a smile on my face and a twinkle in my eye totally changes my whole disposition. Mm. And again, it's not that I'm depressed or anything else. I'm really in the moment. And so when people say, why are you angry? I'm just shocked. I really had to consciously make that smile be there because I was involved. I was thinking of other things. I wasn't thinking about smiling, but the more we smile, it comes through your voice. It comes through your actions. It really does help to pay attention to how you look, even when resting. Well, that reminds me when I got my passport taken like three years ago and they're like, you can't smile. And they're like, you can't smile. And I'm like, I don't know what am I supposed to do this? Because I grew up with my dad who was smiling, hugging and laughing. You know, you were either crying tears of joy or pain or laughing. So I hear you work on it. And it's amazing when you do, it all starts up here. You know, people are like, well, I feel, and I'm like, no, no, it starts with your thoughts. Thoughts drive feelings, drive behaviors. So you just realize that. And in your mind, you become intentional about smile and it'll happen. Absolutely. I love it. Okay. So loneliness, weariness. The next topic my father talked about, Kimmery, is abandonment. And abandonment typically gets, you know, fear of abandonment. If you're an animal rescue like me, abandonment is a big no-no. But his point was hyper-focus, that we need to abandon what we like and want to think about, like binging on Netflix for 12 hours a day versus what we ought and need to think about. And he would always tell me, Tracy, 
at the end of the day, write down everything you've done. And I guarantee you, he used to tell me, I do more to contribute to my failure than my success. And so he was very intentional about staying on point. So what are some things that you can share with our listeners about how you really stay hyper-focused on the mission? It's like your father said, I truly believe in what he said. You have to abandon the things that you would love to do all day long. There's time for that You when you retire or you're on vacation. But when you're at work every day, you have to pick up a book, read 10 pages every day, learn something new, take away the things that you enjoy. We have a television on in our office all the time with world news. I love world news, but I don't have it on for me to listen to. I have it on to keep energy in our office so people will really focus and concentrate on what they're doing at their desk. I believe wholeheartedly what your dad said. Here's my tennis shoe for the day. I will put them on even with my dress and I will go for a walk for 30 minutes to clear my mind and abandon all the things that I know I shouldn't be doing if I sit here, if I play a game on my phone, if I'm distracted in any way. Walking will allow me to refocus on what needs to be done next on my plate. I love that. Well, he did that when we were growing up in high school. He took all the TVs out of the house and he's like, here's what you do with your time. We're going to abandon the boob tube. You can get a job, volunteer, sports, or read books and write book reports. <laughs> but he was like, we're going to abandon the non-value added things early on. Of course, we were like, oh, you're the worst parents ever. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, thank God. But I love that you said you get up and walk because you lose track of you start fiddle farting around and clicking on this and that and realize, you know, 20 minutes, a half an hour later, and everything you're looking at starts seeding in here. Absolutely. Uh, getting out there and walking is, that's a brilliant idea, Kim Marie. Well, it also helps with the health part, right? Yes. It's dual purpose, but I've just have found when I can get away from the noise, the white noise, whether it's the phones, the people, the TV, I really can focus then on what needs to be done. And it doesn't have to take an hour or two hours. A 20 minute brisk walk is awesome. Keeps my blood pressure down, helps my weight control, everything. Mm -hmm. So it is important to me. And I feel that the abandonment in your father's sense is so important. Get rid of the fluff. Get right down to the nitty gritty. If you're a bottom line person like I am, it takes, it takes a lot of effort to be nice about it because I'm only interested in the bottom line, right? What you tried was great. I gave you permission, but did it work? And I want those answers coming back in a way that are beneficial for both of us when talking across the desk. Well, we're going to talk about vision next, but I have a question for you because you picked up an existing business and you took the helm. How did you stay focused? Because I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, well, maybe Latip can be like, I don't know, Vistage or I don't know, all these other groups, because we all have got a million ideas a day. Oh, maybe some days, 2 million ideas a day. How did you stay focused on abandoned to the things that stay true to your DNA? Because I'm sure you got hit with a lot of different things unbelievable. That's also part of loneliness. When you come into a business that you'd really know nothing about, you're working with the original founder. It was imperative to me. In fact, it's not even a joke. This is the truth. When he hired me, they'd been asking me for six months. I didn't take up the job. I wanted to know why, and they wouldn't allow me to come in on a weekend. I had a job. I wasn't going to tell my boss I was going to interview for another job and take off a day that I was supposed to be at work. So Ken Peterson died on the golf course on hole 18, and they defibrillated him and brought him back. He called me and said, I fired my office manager, and I see we've been trying to get you in for an interview. Why won't you come? So I told him exactly why. He overnighted a ticket to me. I flew out to see him. I was very interested by this time. And I told him, if I'm going to work for you, you have to understand that one, I'm going to be your company president. 
in four or five years. Two, I'm going to own your company. And he laughed. I asked him first off why he wasn't hiring me then to be his company president. He said that he'd hired someone from the East Coast. And I said, how long will they be here? He said five years. Four and a half years later, I was the company president. In 2008, I bought the company from him. So very sad news. He passed away last month on the 20th of September. So again, that loneliness, weariness, abandonment, it all comes together to play an important part. I had to learn as fast as I could, staying up night reading, doing everything the way he told me to do it. And it helped so much with my success. Now I had a daughter in college, a son just starting high school. So it wasn't like there was a lot of free time, mm-hmm. but my days start at 530 in the morning and I'm usually still going at 1130 at night and I compartmentalize things. So my kids, I was there when they went to school because I went and had a meeting and came home before they went to school. So I was there when they left for school. I was there when they got home from school. We did the regimen of homework and doing things together and that time was set aside for them with no interruptions from the business. And when I had time for the business, 100% focused, but always planning ahead. What can I do next? So it's staying incredibly disciplined day to day whenever we're publishing, you know, new books coming out all the time. But I think he interviewed like 832 businesses and CEOs said their biggest reason for not being able to grow and scale was lack of time. That's a lack of prioritization. There is no such thing as a lack of time. That means you were very meticulous and your habits. I do that Ivy Lee method the night before the top rack and stack, the top six things I need to get done the next day. So I stay on point because I will pull every which way, but the way I'm supposed to be going because I'm so, life is so wonderful all the time. But I love that you really were very intentional about it. And that is that abandonment is your habits and your self-discipline. Yes, I am very disciplined. I swam for 30 years. You had to be disciplined. But I want to tell you, Dr. Tracy, when we're talking about this, um, if I didn't lose my train of thought, it's all part of putting this together. You can't forget how to do it. I would say at the top now, I have employees to do things for me, but you know that I still go out in the field and start new groups and meet people because if I don't keep up with what is the trend and what's going on and I forget how to greet and meet people and let them know what this could do for them, I lose my edge with my employees. So I've never asked them to do anything more than I would do. And I used to clean the toilets here before we could afford to have somebody come in and do it. Mm -hmm. It's important to me to know that because for a while I'd lost focus. A few months, I lost focus and I thought, oh, all these people can do their own work. And what happened is the numbers started to dip. So I said, no, no, no. I have to get back in the field and find out what the critical issues are that they're facing so that I know how to support them and get them doing the amount of business that they needed to do in the first place. Kimberly, I'm so glad you brought that up because for leaders out there, I find the same thing even in my small little company. I'm not a micromanager. I'm all for empowering. But you as a leader, and I think about Michael Gerber's E-Myth Revisited, you know, you have your entrepreneur, you have the manager. And you have the technician. But at any given time, we're flexing among the three. And people are like, well, I hired the right people and they're supposed to go ahead and do this. And I'm like, in theory, that is correct. But you still need to go out. And I'm not saying do their job, but touch those points. I'm really glad that you brought that out because there's a lot of people as a leader, if you can't trust people. And I'm like, I did not say the trust word. Okay. You have to keep your finger on the pulse of everything because everything, the landscape is constantly changing. You know, so I'm so thankful that you brought that up because I think sometimes as leaders, we just assume, well, that phase is done. I'm at the top. I can kick back and drink Mai Tais on the beach all day. 
I don't no. think so. <laughs> Not if you want to continue to grow and be successful, right. you have to work it. And you that's a muscle memory. You have to work your muscle memory. What is going on out there? What aren't you being told? What do you need to know? So if you stay in the know, you're going to be on top of the game all the time. I think I'm really happy. And I don't think I know I have brought Latip into a different era. We took all of what really worked well and kept it. And then we've added and added and added. So for instance, when our members are there, they're connected to each other across the country. There's really no other organization that has that kind of connectability that we have. Mm -hmm. And it's called Latip Wired. It's our own internal um, program that we've designed to keep everybody connected. And it's making a huge difference. That's unbelievable. I love that. I love that. And how great that you got to be with your founder for that length of time. Yes. And really walk alongside him and see the going. And you must miss him terribly, but I'm thankful he recovered on that 18th hole. Well, he just passed away last month and I would call him once a month just to check up on him. He was 95 years old. Oh my God. He treated me like a daughter. I was very blessed. He had his own office, but he moved into my office. Our desk would touch. He heard every word that I spoke to everyone, every question that I answered. And then he would coach me afterwards. This is what would have sounded better. This is what you need to think about. So I am very blessed. He had a wonderful vision and I'm so happy that I could get into his vision, take it over and even enhance it and embellish it. Well, and I'm telling you for our listeners out there, you want to know how to connect with people, baby blue to baby blue or brownies to brownies or whatever. You talk to some of the salesmen and women back in the day before we had all this other non-touch surfaces and things. And you talk to them about how to really connect people in their seventies and eighties and nineties. And you hear about, you think you know it all because your app or your click funnel or whatever, you talk to them about how to really meet a customer and establish trust. And it just fascinates me because I'm constantly going back to the wall and going, how we're sitting here talking across the table. And there's still a lot of that that goes on. How do I deal with this? And they'll be like, this is what you need to do. And I'm like, man, such wisdom. Those are our clients today. They're millennials. They are starving to be able to learn how to talk to somebody yes. across the table. Yes. They're realizing that they're phones, whatever you want to call them, their devices don't give them that emotional impact that meeting face-to-face has. Now we've had to pivot just like everybody else. We meet online and hybrid things, but as a leader, you have to find ways to bring them together even closer. Now I get up in a chapter meeting every week, let's say as the banker, and I give a commercial about banking and it went like this. If you don't like your bank, then please see me why would anyone do business with me? So I started to hone in and learn what that really meant. Yes. And now I brought bank. It stands for owned by Codebreaker Technologies. I'm a certified trainer in bank and it stands for Blueprint Action Nurture Knowledge. It is a 90 second assessment you can take on online using our code. It would be crackmycode.com forward slash latip. And by doing that, it'll give you four little cards with values on the back. You find the value that's the closest to you and go down the list to the least like you. And you put those cards in that order. It then will tell you what your code is. I'm an action, nurture, blueprint, knowledge. So I run around with my hair on fire as an action person. Don't shake my hand. Give me a Amen, high five. Amen, sister. This is why I'm red because I'm always running around on fire. <laughs> my nurture is next because everything I do is my love of people. So people can hug me. They can high five me. They can give me a handshake. I don't care. They'll feel an immediate response from me. And when I'm stressed, my third color stands for the stress color is blueprint. So while I'm not 
naturally organized. When I'm stressed, which I force myself, that's that focus again. I focus to make myself stressed. So everything is organized. My dates are on time. My clothes are organized. My shoes go under the clothes that match the color. It is amazing what can happen. And I find that I work better in a stress mentality and mode Mm -hmm. than if I were just sailing along. Now, my least like me color is knowledge and it has nothing to do with intelligence. I don't like the minutia of having to read a 36 page contract. It's just plain and simple. If you come into my office to talk to me, give it to me in three to five minutes, give me a solution and we'll get along great. But if you come in just to harass me for 30 minutes and you don't offer any solution, it's probably not going to go well. And that's the beautiful part. We're teaching our members how to reach out to other people that way, whether it's spouses, family, coworkers. It's a respectful way to do business and understand where they're coming from because we're all different. Well, it's almost like a love language is for business because a lot of that that you have in your personal life is because like you, I'm task oriented and that I have my little relationship edge too. But that's interesting that that's not just in my business world. That's me. That's who I'm coded to be. And it's going to manifest itself in my finances and my spiritual life in everything. So did you come up with this, the four cards, the coding? No, no, no. It belongs to Codebreaker Technology, a woman by the name of Sherry Tree. I met her 13 years ago. I actually hired her to come out and train all of my regional directors so that they would know who they're talking to across the table. Okay. Just by body language and everything else, because it's something you can pick up really quick. I love it. If they use that code, you will get a 24 page report that tells you who you are and how you like to buy. So if you're talking in our world, I'd get up and talk like an action. The only people in the chapter, so to speak, that were giving me business would be other action people because the nurturers didn't understand me. The blueprint didn't understand me. Knowledge didn't. So I have learned how to speak to all of them in their language and come up with great ideas. And now I get business from everyone. So why waste your time networking or even trying to build a relationship if you're not talking in their language and you understand it? Right. So it's amazing. Yeah. And my dad would say there can be no communication without identification. Even if you have the greatest solution for them, if they're not feeling you, and even for us that are coded, what is a Deming and God we trust everyone else bring data. I'm data driven, but I got to understand the context of where you're coming from. And that means I have to identify with you. Why are you worth it? Well, that is a huge resource for our listeners. And we'll put the link for that in the bottom too. So thank you, Kimberly. I'm anxious to try that out. That's exciting. Make sure they put Latip behind it or they may be charged. $99. Thank you. Okay. And also lastly, we did loneliness. We did weariness. We did abandonment. Tremendous insights, Kim Marie, and sharing from your life of experience. The last one was vision. And my dad, if you knew him, he was flunked out of school in the eighth grade. So when you think, when I used to hear vision growing up, it'd be like Nostradamus or Moses or Mark Zuckerberg, you know, this brain, but he was like, Tracy, vision is just seeing what needs to be done and then doing it. Okay. So a lot of people will see it, but they're, they're not integrators or executors. Can you share with us, how do you keep honing your vision and vision casting, Kim Marie? First of all, your listeners probably don't care, but I am very religious. I totally believe in the Lord and my day starts with a prayer and ends with a prayer every single day to have him help me understand the vision that I've set Mm. for myself. So by doing that, I've always been guided. He guides me everywhere I go. And your father's absolutely correct. 
You can't look at a vision on the same street level as everybody else would look at your vision. I've always looked from an 80,000 height view. So I can see the big picture. The prayers are which of these sections do I need to tackle next to make sure that it's all working together? And he's answered me in prayer so often or opened the door or someone calls me on the phone and the prayers are answered, but it's always been connected to my vision. When you put words in your mind, even if you don't speak them, you put them into the universe. And what you think and believe is what happens. So if you think you're a failure or this idea is not going to work, guaranteed you've sabotaged it already. When you can pray over it and you believe it will happen, it may not happen as quickly as you want, but I guarantee you it's going to happen. Love it. It's all about having the vision to think out loud and make sure that you're following through with it. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I even go back to, I'm rereading Psycho-Cybernetics. And his whole thing with self-image is your mind can't differentiate between how you see yourself and how you are in reality. So if you can see yourself as that success already, that's as good as being a success. And we lose that. And again, I'm like you, the Imago Dei. I'm coded by the creator. I claim my inheritance. I need to start acting like it, you know, because my dad runs the universe. So I think he's already got this figured out. So call in for the supernatural reinforcements and the gifts of knowledge and wisdom and administration and hospital, all that stuff. Bring it. Yes. And if you don't believe in God, you obviously must believe there's something higher, a higher power than yourself, or you wouldn't be here. Right. You have to call on it. You have to allow it to enter into your own being and just be thankful. You know, most of us, we work so hard, we forget to thank ourselves Mm -hmm. as well as our creator. And the more we can thank for what we have, the more we can put that into play, the more your vision becomes reality. I was told at least 22 years ago to think of success. Think of myself dressed in the finest clothes. I carry a Coors handbag, right? I mean, a Michael Coors handbag. I have lots of those. They don't mean anything to me, but the image is out there for other people to see. So when I walk into a room, I'm just amazed. I'm so excited to greet and meet people. And I think I'm nothing special. But by the time I leave, I hear so often, you're so powerful. You're such a force to deal with. That's God. That's not me. But it's having the vision that I can be at the top of my game anytime I need to be. Don't allow myself to think down about myself ever. I make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. And I apologize for my mouth because sometimes I put my foot in it, but it's truly and sincerely an apology because I made a mistake. So I'll accept my own mistakes and I'll make sure I don't make it again. Well, I love the point that you said, even if you don't believe in God, you've got to believe in yourself because sometimes even people that do believe in God, they don't believe in themselves. Wherever else is out here, you got to know, you got to own your own self-image and self-worth first. Okay. And so I love, love that you brought that up because we do more damage, just like a lack of abandonment. You'll contribute to your failure. Will you own it or not? I don't know, but you need to be honest with yourself. The same thing with your vision. We're the ones that stand in the way of our own vision with that negative soft talk. And, you know, that old Napoleon Hill, whatever your mind can, you know, believe and conceive it's going to achieve. That's a constant cosmic truth, no matter what you believe. Absolutely. And reading those kind of books only make it better. I try to read as I read avariously. I love to read. I have five books laying around all the time. One's fictional because I need some downtime, just me time once in a while. I always read a business book. Then I read a self-help book. I just had a friend who just did a book signing last night, Dr. Sharon Lamb Hartman. It's called, trying to remember the total name of it. And I was just there. Really important. It's a self-help book on how to be a better presenter, a better communicator. 
It's number three right now on the Barnes and Noble, Noble best-selling book. She's just amazing. It just came out. I thought I had it in here. My husband just mailed one that we had her sign last night. But those kinds of books can help. I was sitting waiting for her to come to the book signing and a mom and her daughter came in and they thought I was the author. I said, no, I'm sorry. Of course, because you're so powerful. And yeah. <laughs> but we were sitting there talking. I was explaining what the book was and the daughter is in the fifth grade. And I asked her, I didn't want to exclude her in the conversation. So I asked her, what kind of books do you like to read? And she says, oh, I like business books. And I said, honey, you need to get this book. Have your mom buy this book for you. She can get it online, which she did. She said, I'm going home and getting this book for my daughter. That's an entrepreneur. This is a young, I said, now I like goosebumps. Did you? She says, oh yeah, they're good too. But I really prefer self-help and business books. So those are the entrepreneurs coming up today. They're not being shaped necessarily by anybody, but they want more. I realize that the new generations coming up will work two or three jobs to have the money that they want to have. Mm -hmm. And it's primarily predicated on the money. So mm -hmm. we need to teach them how to share that and give back to others. But that's a great way for people to get out of the doldrums of playing the games on TV, watching Netflix constantly. Your health goes down. Everything goes down. It's having the vision of a better country, a better world. It's helping each other and being active again. Someone said, wouldn't it be terrible if we lost all of our power? I said, absolutely not. A lot of us wouldn't know how to live in it, but I would love it. The Amish have something going on. So oh, they do. Remember when Facebook went down like two Mondays ago, it was like, oh, take what it up 15 years ago. We didn't have any of it. Take it all away. I mean, I was just like, I felt like it was just awesome. It was. <laughs> and I'm oh. never on it, rarely. But just not knowing it wasn't there and hearing people, because you hear people chattering about it. It's like, oh my goodness. So I love it. Okay. So Kim Marie, anything else for the listeners out there? We had covered loneliness, weariness, abandonment, and vision. Anything else you want to share with us and talk a little about, about for our listeners that are not familiar with Latip International, a little bit about what that is and how they would get connected with their, a group in their area. Okay. So first of all, just really quick, that vision that you talked about, I'd like to share that that vision shouldn't always be just about business. Mm -hmm. Take your vision and make it your entire life so that you live a healthy, happy, successful life, well-rounded. That's the total vision, right? Don't just narrow it down. As far as LATIP, we are the world's or North America's oldest professional networking organization. We put business owners and professionals together, one business category allowed per chapter and teach you how to create a sales force by word of mouth. So you go into a meeting once a week for an hour and a half. They get to know who you are. You're educating them about your business. They are not going to become the mortgage lender or a realtor or the financial advisor, but you're going to teach us enough about that. So when we hear the information on the outside, we can send you outside business. Now we do business inside should be 20% or less of what they exchange. 80% should be coming from the outside where they'd never have the opportunity to meet someone. That is true networking because you're building a relationship with these people, you're bonding and it's ongoing. The bond and relationship are what makes it so successful. Mm -hmm. We've well, connected everybody now through LATIP and right. you can find us at latip.com online. You can call me personally, Kim Marie Branch Petted. My cell phone number is 602-803-8080. I'm sure you're going to post that. Mm -hmm. And my email address is simple. It's just kbranch at latip.com. I love speaking to anyone. I go in and speak to organizations just to help them understand each other better and how to get along. Sometimes I get new members from it. Sometimes I don't. I love speaking to rotary groups because they are service oriented mm -hmm. and they really want to be doing more business. So I go in to tell them how they can do that. 
I love what I do and I love people. And Latip has been an avenue for me that was a, a long time dream. I wanted to be a doctor when I was a kid. And I got myself out of a rotation of in school of being that. I unfortunately put 17, 17 year olds in body bags in a 30 day period and realized emotionally I couldn't handle it. So I was meant to be a connector. And that's what I do. And that's what our organization does. We connect to business owners, small to medium, sometimes large, but mostly small to medium. So they have a place to go. They have someone they can talk to instead of talking down in their company. Mm -hmm. They can talk up to us, right? They learn from each other. It really pays off. Small business today is so valuable and important. If we don't keep them growing and continuing, America changes because we are the backbone of this country. We're the ones hiring. We're the ones that are changing what it looks like, the canvas looks like. So we have to keep them in business. And bless COVID, right? We've lost so many kinds of businesses. People don't want to even work right now. They can't find people to work for them. So their businesses are closing. We need to reach out and help as many small businesses as possible stay in business and understand and there are resources that they never thought of. And Latip certainly is a resource. Well, I love that, you know, and that's all about it. And my dad would always say the people you meet and the books you read. Latip is really about the people you meet and being a resource. Even if I can't get you the answers, one thing that gives me great job is, well, I know somebody who can. And, you know, I always say leaders don't have to know all the answers. They just have to know all the people who have the answers and just formulate that. That's a, such a blessing to people. Whether you're getting the business or not, you're connecting them with other. And I can't emphasize enough. I, you know, I cut my teeth in big bureaucracies, Fortune 100 organizations, the government, you know, bureaucracy. Lucky you. <laughs> and then I got to small business and I'm like, bigger is not better. This is what drives it. This is why America is the premier economy because of the small businesses. And Absolutely. so I, but that was unbeknownst to me. I'm like, oh, I mean, the government doesn't have any money. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, I'm figuring this out. So <laughs> who I has just, all the money? Small I know. business. <laughs> So quit trying to kill us with taxes and other things. Why not support us for a while? Well, we're driving everything. What is it? What do they say? 87% are small or before pre-COVID. It's a huge chunk. People think, oh, it's the big, you know, the big. No, no, it's not. It's us. And so it's I just amazing. love. You know, the government thinks big or small business is 500,000 and down. That's to me, not a small business. I'm not money either. I'm talking people. Right. We're talking about members who have are solopreneurs, maybe three or four employees. Sometimes they have 20 or 30. That in our world is considered a big business, right? It is. Those are the businesses that are keeping us afloat. Right. They really are. Well, and to our listeners out there, if you don't believe us, look online and see what percentage is and realize there is strength in numbers. Sometimes you look at everybody else and you're like, oh, everybody has, you know, 5,000 people or more. No, that is not the majority of people out there. So stay strong and keep doing what you're doing and hook up with a little tip organization and learn how to network and get some wonder, be a wonderful resource. I love your 80-20 rule too. And it's so important that when we go to these things, we support one another. Yes. You know, because otherwise it's like, what are we doing here? You know what I'm saying? Right. And people will come in. We have a saying, you have to pass four tips a month. That's one a week. That's not really passing business. So that's usually when you can't think of something, oh, the florist in the group is going to get a tip for me. So I can take flowers home to my husband, right? That's what I call it, maybe a chicken tip. <laughs> what they really want to know is if my next door neighbor is getting married, could I please introduce them to the florist so they get the flowers for the yes. entire gig? Yes. That's where 80% starts growing your business. 20%, we're just swapping dollars. Well, 80%, you're getting people you would never meet. I love it. Swapping dollars versus growing the business. I remember when my dad, started out as life insurance and grew like by age 35, $100 million. And this is back in the 50s. 
But I said, people would ask him, how'd you grow? And he said, well, I, I made up my mind. If I didn't sell a policy that week, I would buy one. And he goes, after about four months of that, I wasn't buying any more policies for my kids. I know we had six kids, but you could only buy so many policies. And that's when he realized I got to get out and I got to generate, you know, I love that chicken, what you call them, chicken tips? Yes, they're chicken tips because you're too chicken to really go out and work it. It's net work, not net play, right? So that's I it. teach them what a chicken tip is and what chicken not tip. to do. That's the next book where I'm going to talk to you after we click off record. But all right, Kimberly, hey, what is the best way? Again, I know you said you had all the information on there and you left your phone number and anything and LinkedIn. So I'm just laughing about that. So I got, sorry, I got sidetracked. But just anything else, Kimberly, before we wrap this up, this time of just unbelievable learning and sharing from you, you gave me so much to think about. Well, thank you so much. I want you to be kind. That's the one thing everybody in this world can be. And if we're more kind to others, if we Mm. stop and let another car in when it's not convenient for us, if we open the door for someone who's struggling, just simple things that cost you nothing, a smile to someone who's having a bad day, being kind will change the world. And we are not kind enough, including to ourselves. So just be kind every single day. That's the best advice I can give anybody. Absolutely. And regardless of what anybody else does to you, you do it for yourself because that keeps your inner peace. Well, not only that, God watches for what we are not doing for other people, right? He wants to see what you do. And so act like he's watching you every moment of every day. Because he is. You are. Whether Absolutely. we want to say it or not, it's kind of, you know, it is. Well, I right, well, Kimberly, you, but when traffic's really bad, my oh. husband's honking the horn and yelling, and I'm saying, God's watching you. And immediately he calms down, right? So we just have to be kind to each other. Great words of wisdom. Well, Kimberly, thank you again so much. Listen, to our tremendous listeners out there, please be sure if you haven't hit the subscribe or the like button, please do. Do us the honor of a five-star review wherever you listen to this podcast being played. It's all over the place, wherever you're listening. Also get over to TremendousLeadership.com, sign up for our email list, subscribe to our podcast, and you'll get two weeks of free eBooks. What could be more tremendous than that? And you be sure and you go over to Kim Marie's info on the bottom of this and you connect with her on all the platforms. She is somebody you are definitely want to add in not only as an advocate, but as a resource as well. All right. And Kim Marie, thank you again. Thank you. And I remembered the name of the book, Authenticity Code by Dr. Sharon Lamb Hartman. Everybody should read it. We'll put that link in there too. Beautiful. And to our tremendous tribe out there, you keep on paying the price of leadership. We're right there with you. God bless you. Have a tremendous rest of the day. Thank you so much, Tracy. You're amazing. Thank you, Kim Marie. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, Let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.